God bless you and thank you for joining us today in our, well, Father's Day message. Happy Father's Day to all of you out there that are fathers or those that serve here that may not have your own children, but bless our children like a father would. God bless you. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. I'm sorry we don't have chocolates to pass out in uh, virtual reality from here that we normally have for Father's Day, the hugs and kisses we do, but um, maybe we'll catch up on that in another time. Today's message has to do with the secret to living a blessed life. It's a Father's Day message, but please don't tune out. It's for everybody. There is the truth of God's Word for everyone in this message, and I urge you to listen carefully to it. I've actually used this passage on a couple of different occasions on Sundays, but uh, just a little, a different slant on the same passage once again, teaching from God's Word. As we do, there's some corny news from Bubba's corny jokes and country humor, where the question is begged, what does a cow say when she remembers something that seems to have happened before? What does she say? I think I have deja vu. Really bad, right? Well, I hope you have deja vu and remembering the principles that you've already heard. Some of these are not unique in any way to this message. I believe things you have heard that I want to see come together, putting them together in a passage that's so beautiful from the Psalms. We're departing from Genesis for this time of Father's Day because we're living in a day and time where fatherhood is under attack. Fatherhood is a, not a gender-neutral statement. In our world of gender-neutral language, we go by biblical language. He's our heavenly father. And God created fathers, male fathers, to be spiritual leaders in their home. And so we come from the biblical worldview. We're unapologetic about it. I'm unapologetic about it. We come from the biblical worldview of celebrating the secret of the blessed life, Father's Day message today, coming from Psalm chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. We're going to dissect this piece by piece using uh, Psalm 1, 1a, 1b, 1c, and so forth. Let's start today as we go into this message today. Psalm 1, 1a, blessed is the man. The Word of God starts out by giving us the secret to a happy life, to a blessed life. You see, the word blessed in the word of God talks about being happy. And the bottom line is, when you think about what it takes to be happy and blessed in our world, there are many things that come and go. But you can find happiness in the stability, the eternal truth found in God's word. So that's why the word of God starts out. Blessed is the man. You will be blessed the secret to having a blessed life found in God's Word. What is that? Secrets found in, first of all, a basic. In Psalm 14, 1a, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. I know that the great preponderance of people listening to this message today do believe in God. There may be some that don't. But we just don't believe in a God or a force. We believe in the God of the Bible. God has revealed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to earth on a mission. 
He came to die for the sins of the world. And when Jesus Christ came, he went eventually to a cross where he suffered and bled and died, paid my penalty and your penalty for sins. He paid it all. They placed him in a tomb, and three days later, he arose from that tomb, and he offers eternal life as a gift. You see, Lawndale Baptist Church isn't a religion. It isn't a cult. In fact, we don't lift up the denomination law. We lift up Jesus. He is the way of salvation. And by receiving that gift that God has provided, a person is afforded and given eternal life, not by something we deserve, but by God's grace and his mercy. If you haven't already received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that with a conversation that goes along the lines of what I just said. God, I'm a sinner less perfect than you. I believe I could not get to heaven except through you. Thank you for paying the complete penalty for my sins when you bled, suffered, and died and rose three days later. Jesus, will you come into my life and save me? I believe you're the only way of salvation. And God, because you lived and died for me and rose again, I seek to live my life for you, not in order to earn my way to heaven or or to be saved, but because I am saved. Living the Christian life is living it out of thankfulness, not to earn something, but in gratitude for what Christ has already done and out of obedience to Jesus Christ as our Lord, which is just another word for our boss or our master. And so, going back to this, we see the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And when you look at our world today, you find many people that believe in a God, but they don't believe in the God. Many believe in the idea of God, but God is personal. He has many names as revealed in the Bible. He is the real God, but you see, someone that is foolish says there is no God. But in reality, everyone has a God of some type, and even the atheist perhaps would answer the question, do you have a God? If they said no, then, then the person themselves becomes God. And we have many people living under the subjective rules of their own, their own thought pattern. Dads, listen carefully. It is important that you model in your heart that you're not a fool, that you know there is a God. And here's some principles we have found in this passage. The word of God says, if you're going to be blessed, who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly? So it begs the question, of course, to dads and of course, to everyone. Here's the question. Who or what are your counselors and your influencers? It's a very important question. You see, the world is wrong and the Bible is right. You have to make a stand on the fact that this is the word of God and the world standards are wrong, but the Bible is right. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, to believe in the God of the universe believes that God had the power to preserve his written word so we could have a written record to understand something about his nature, his essence, his attributes, his character, to understand what it is about God's love and grace, to understand God's plan of salvation, to understand why Christ had to come and die for our sins. So what do we look at here? In our world, let me say this, I know that preponderance of people, the great preponderance, are Christian people and professed believers listening. But I want to submit something to you as we go through this message, because, dads, there are many influencers out there, many, 
and you have to be careful. Don't go or walk or go along with the counsel of ungodly people or systems. Be careful and read up if you're following a system of some belief or some movement that it's Christ-centered. It's biblically centered. There's a host of ungodly influencers that are in our world, a host of them. We're going to just look at a few because dads, your children, your spouse expect you to have Christian biblical leadership and you need the right influencers for that. What are some of the ungodly influencers? One of them, carnal Christians. Christians that aren't living the life. They just show up to a pew or a seat. You may know them through work. You may know them through other ways. Carnal Christians are not the kind of influences you want to get your information from or to hang around. They justify the wrong kinds of things. They have a surface, surface belief. And some of them have a false profession of faith. That's one instance of a negative or an unbiblical influencer. Social media can be an ungodly influencer. That's why I said can be. Depends on how you use it. Many things on websites, many things that look like they're providing information also provide little glimpses of pictures that are, well, frankly, bordering on pornography. And it's very easy to get influenced to the wrong thing and the wrong sites through that. Some have sites where you can be friends with people. Let me just say to you, men, in my experience of counseling with people, listening to spouses, couples, seeing some of the tragedies of life, some of those relationships that have gone through awful times and some actually dissolving, started with getting on there and finding an old friend from high school or college. Innocent enough, isn't it? And before you know it, There's more of a connection, an emotional connection. And many times after an emotional connection will come a physical connection. I think I'm exaggerating. You can look at some of the stats yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Those are the types of things you have to bust yourself on and have accountability partners to say, I want to be a godly dad. Because remember, God says, whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. What do you want for your children? Social media. It can be used properly. But if you find yourself where you're struggling with some issues like that, get accountability and get away from that because you'll be walking in the counsel of the ungodly. So we have, of course, the the carnal Christian social media. There's also something that's I would label just ungodly music where the tune is good, the melody's good, but the lyrics are satanic. They're wrong. They're unbiblical. You have to watch that. It's easy to press a station, be on something that it's just not right to listen to. I trust your belief in God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. If some of those things are connected in your counsel of life, get rid of them. There's a host of other things that are ungodly influencers. Ask yourself the question, what are my influencers? What do I read? What do I watch? What goes into my brain? Because it's important 
that a generation growing up that is already growing up perhaps in the most ungodly, unbiblical, unchurched generation, at least in modern times in the United States of America, that you of all people are modeling strength. You're modeling the right things. God says, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Who are your counselors? Who are your influencers? The word of God is very clear on it. It also says in Psalm 1, 1c, or stand in the way of sinners. So what happens? First you're walking along, then you stand and you pause. Ungodly thought migrates into ungodly action. It can happen on the college campus. It can happen in the workplace. It can happen even at home, looking at some of the things, getting involved in some of the things that I just mentioned earlier. It's important that we stay in the word of God. Ungodly character, ungodly thoughts, it migrates. You know, the world is composed of thoughts and ideas. And when thoughts are centered on the wrong thing, they can only end up in tragedy. The, uh, the passage in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, tells us what to do, how we're to think. As a man thinks, so he is. I want you to see the passage in the context of Father's Day, in the context of being a role model, in the context of not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, in the context of knowing God wants our mind and our thoughts. It says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever goes in, if garbage goes in, garbage comes out. If the word of God goes in, God's principles, precepts, and his ways come out. It's important that we guard that. We learn to follow God by doing what he has asked us to do. It's very plain and simple. Thoughts and ideas, once again, they rule the world. They come out and they're purported and people can have buy-in. You must know the word of God better than you've ever known it to guard and to guide your families, fathers. You've got to do it. You've got to be there as a stalwart in your house and support the things of God. Word of God tells in the progression about walking in the counsel of ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, but also I want you to see in verse D, or sit in the seat of mockers. Today, I have never seen the amount, the volume of mockers that exist in our world. It comes through social media, it's through books, it's through media, it's through news channels. There are those who mock the principles and precepts that God has called significant. Your family is under attack. Christian family is under attack. There are movements that are going on that find the nuclear family very offensive. They find it gender casting. They find it to be, well, troublesome to their worldview. When you sit in the seat of mockers, you join those that sit around the water fountain or gather together at social outings 
or go to sports events that have no use for God and they sit with you and they throw their worldview upon you. They mock it. You really, you belong to a church. Churches are filled with hypocrites. Really? So are sports stadiums. There's hypocrisy enough to go around in everything that is going on, in pulpits, in churches, in business, in politics, in sports, in everything. But the Word of God says you start, well, walking along with ungodly counsel. You start standing and listening more, and then before you know it, you're in the seat with the mockers. Yeah, what has the church done? What is the church doing? What about the Word of God? Is the Word of God right? It's so much easier to not believe in it or practice it or to hold it loosely. God's calling you to be committed to Him. And if your children see that you model either through complicity of not teaching them God's Word and saying the kinds of things that mock some of the principles of God's Word, you'll find yourself on the wrong side of eternal history. You'll find yourself agreeing with those in our world that mock the Word of God, mock what we're about, that call us narrow. Praise God, we are narrow. We're as narrow as God's Word. You see, narrow isn't a bad word. The world has changed some of the connotation to that. But dads, you better be narrow in your house because the devil himself and the worldly system wants to have your children. They want your children to see a neutralized and kind of an apathetic Christian dad so that your children see you're not sold out to it. It's, it's okay. We went to church. Dad looked a little bit at, at the Bible, and, but not much leadership there. That really doesn't matter. More than ever, understand educational systems, the children that are growing up in our world are surrounded with others, and we've got families. I've talked with them, spoken with them, where the neighbor children don't have a clue about the Word of God, but they know about all the worldly issues and have sought to take those children into those ungodly issues because that's what they're taught at home. You have to stand firm and make a stand. You can't sit back idly. And if you have found yourself maybe not grasping that as much as you need to, this is a great time to seize it. I'm going to mention some practical things that God would expect us to do, okay? But the multitude of mockers in our world are vying for your family, and they do it through all kinds of media, all kinds of ways. Just understand that. They mock it. And there's different ways that Christians have mocked some of the things that take place even in local churches. Be a positive influence. Find the blessings inside. If, if you attend this church, find them inside of here. If you're listening today and part of another church, that's a Bible-believing church, find the reasons to affirm what is going on. There's enough mockers out there. And trust me, any leader is under some of that fire. And and I know you know that, you understand that. It's there. But God's called you to lead your family. You're responsible for that. Sit Sitting in the seat of mockers, people that mock the precepts and principles found in God's word. I don't think I have to elaborate too much about what that's about, do I? In a world that says anything goes, 
put two and two together with that and understand well-meaning people that talk about love in a sense that we shouldn't tell anyone who to love. Listen, we don't tell anyone who to love, period. We do stand by God's word, and God says who you can marry. God says what gender you have been born. And when we make a stand, on I know it's not politically correct, and I know some listening today take issue with that. It's okay. Your issue's not with me. I'm just telling you what God's word says. That's found in God's word, and I unashamedly, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, stand behind that. God brought about order in this world, and that's why he has the family as the building block of society. Mark my words, there are people that want to break that down because they don't think that the family as God designed it is the building block of society. They believe their agenda is, and it's dangerous. Psalm 1-2, verse A. But... So we've talked about some of the things that we should not be involved with. And some of those things you can add to the list. You know more of those things. But the word of God, starting in verse 2, says, okay, there's some things. Don't walk, don't stand, don't sit in those places where the ungodly are. But do this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, the law is more than just a set of rules to the true, believing, godly leader husband and dad. It's more than a set of rules. It's his delight. He delights in the law of the Lord. So let me ask you, do you delight in the law of the Lord? Do you delight in it? Make sure your delight is in it. Now, there's some real tests you can look at to see if that's evident within your leadership in your home. Now, once again, these principles apply to everyone, specifically with Father's Day And because the family is under such an attack, I want you to listen carefully. Is it evident, as you delight in the law of the Lord, is it evident to your family and friends that you hold God's word in high esteem? Well, pastor, how would they know that? What do you talk about? When conversations come up, do you bring up God? Do you bring up his word? Are you memorizing scripture? Is your knowledge of God's word increasing? Do your children see you honoring God's word, having it out on the table and reading it? Do they see you taking God's word seriously? Do you bring up accounts when you're walking and talking with them in the everydayness of life that you show that you delight in the law of the Lord, that it's the right thing to do? Do they understand from your character that you practice the moral character as prescribed in God's word, being honest, being a witness? Do they see that in your life? Do they see you care about others, being light and salt? Do they see how you treat your spouse? Do they listen to your words? You see, their delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. I don't know how to delight in it. Find delight in it. Read it until you say, God, thank you. Out of all the things to learn in life, the most important thing I can ever learn is your word, your laws, your precepts, your principles. God, thank you that I have that because so many people are running around this world with no compass whatsoever other than their feelings and their emotions and making a wreck of things. What else? Do you lead family devotions and open prayer? Do your children see you even when you're in a restaurant or a public place 
even a parking lot, stopping to pray? Do they see you leading it around the table when you eat? Do you take out specifically and have a time for your family that reads the Word of God, having a devotional time? Do you talk about that? You see, these show that there's some delight, some responsibility, some leadership. You see, what we do is what we value. Things are important. Is church important to you? Sadly, having talked to so many college students over the year, particularly as a former college pastor, but particularly talking to students literally, literally thousands over the years at Beach Reach Ministry in South Padre Island, if I'd say anything to you dads, I would say this. The multitude of surveys that I personally took, that my students took, all those 60, 70, 80,000 students that were down there that formerly attended good Bible-believing churches say they dropped out because many times on the way back from church, going home or out to eat, they had the pastor for lunch or they found something wrong with their Sunday school or life journey group or they talked about some meeting taking place or some decision by the church and they throw the church under the bus for some crazy reason. And I don't even think all of it's purposeful. But if you were to listen to those students, what it said was, church is not that important. My parents found reasons not to like it. Why should I go? Is church important to you? And you will see, okay, here you go. I know I'll hear from some of you, it's okay. But you look at your calendar. Look how much time people spend today, I've looked it up, transporting our young people from game to game, lesson to lesson, and other things. And I'm not negating that. There's some great opportunities for children to get involved in sports and other things out there. But if you find there's an overbalance of that, if you found that, you know what, we have a taxi cab company, then you have to make some choices, Dad, and say, you can choose this and this, but we're going to show up at church at these times and be involved in that. And we have great things for children and for students here. If your students are not involved in 411, we're getting ready to rename that, but that's done. 411 is to give information to middle school and up through high school, information about cults, worldviews, what people are believing, philosophies, different world religions. It's teaching them how to defend the Bible. Because if they can't defend it, they're going to find that it's not important. The Bible is really, there is no defense for it. So we offer some things here. We'll never replace you, Dad. Never. But we want to supplement. Is church important? They're growing up in a world that says it's not. In fact, it's irrelevant. Let me say this to you. The word of God says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. It's important. So when the word of God talks about his delight is in the law of the Lord, there's some real practical ways to carry it out. They're biblically based in the right. I encourage you, those that are doing these things, keep on doing them. If you find yourself listening and saying, Pastor, thank you for beating me up on Father's Day. I love you too much to not share the truth with you. You see, failure and, and wrong decisions don't have to be permanent. 
They can change. If you just take one thing, if you say, you know what, fair enough. I haven't had a devotion time with my family, but I'm going to start that. Fair enough. I haven't increased my Bible knowledge. I'm going to start doing that. Fair enough. I, I need to go back and say church is important. We need to prioritize some of our time so our children know the most important thing above sports, above dance lessons and gymnastics and karate and all the other things is being part of a local church. We're losing an entire generation because they've thrown it out the window. You need to stand as a leader in your home because homes are under attack. Now, in Psalm 1-2-B, the Word of God says, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Understand this. There's a proper relationship to the intelligence of God's law. To know God's law is to read it and to meditate on it. It occupies the mind. Notice it says day and night. It's a continual thing. Now, it doesn't mean nonstop because you have to function in lots of other ways, in the workplace, in the family, when you're driving, so forth. But there's times to meditate on what we read so that we protect ourselves from the fiery darts of the enemy. He's looking for someone to devour And we learn to follow God. We learn to follow his word by meditating on it. Meditate about that. God, what does that mean? God, I'm feeling awful weak today. Wait a minute. I read in your word today. You're my refuge and my strength. God, I'm thinking about these things that are harmful. I'm getting Philippians 4, I need to think about those things. God, I need to be Christ-centered when I walk through the door, and right now I'm really feeling anger for what happened in the workplace. Bible says be angry and don't sin. Don't take it through the door. Talk with your Lord before you get in there. You see, meditating on, the God, on God's Word leads us to the right action. God's given us a brain. We have reason. We have intellect. We have knowledge. We have His Holy Spirit. We have conviction. We have His Word. It's important because eyes are looking at you. They're depending on you. They're watching. Your daughters are watching what a godly husband should look like. Your sons are watching what a godly dad looks like. And watching how you treat your spouse. What is all that about? You see, they will catch that. Those habits are, they're taught, but they're mostly caught. It's in those moments you're able to be with them and say, you know what? My dad, he stands by the word of God, but he's still fun. He's great. We love dad. And we love that he loves our mom. Do you want to bless your children? Love your wives. Take care of them. Love them. Bless them. God bless you for seeking to do what is right when you're doing that. And some days are harder than others. I get it. And God's word, even though the, the, the goal is perfection, we don't always re, you know, reach that. Well, confess it and move on. Move on. Sometimes you say to children, I should have done this, but we're starting that now. We're starting that now. Take them. You see, he meditates. We must know the law to appreciate its worth. Many people today in society are telling your children, you don't need to obey the laws. Not the laws of the land, not the laws of the word of God. You're a free individual. Do as you want. You must teach them 
that you appreciate the law and what it's worth because it leads to life. It leads to good choices. We need to ponder, not skim through God's law. And I'm afraid with some best intentions, people have raced through the Bible in a year, read the Bible through the year. It's a great thing. But don't do it with the goal in mind of just reading the Bible in a year because you may read it and not have pondered upon it, not meditated on it to let it sink in. You see, the thing about a really hard rain when the ground is dry, if there's runoff, it's when there's the soaking rain that it sinks in. The meditating and the pondering about it. I read about Jesus today. I read about what he said about going to the cross. I read about the unbelief of the disciples. If I was there, would I be like that? Did I hear Jesus' word? Am I listening to him? Am I following the things I should follow? You see, there's, when we read the word of God, it begs questions when we meditate on it. And it helps us do the day, through the day to be the Christian leaders God's called us to be and not relegate it to the state, to social media. So dads, that's going to mean sometimes you're going to be unpopular. Because you're going to limit your child's time on their cell phone or their tablet or whatever they're on. You're going to have to limit it. You're going to have to be the bad guy. You're going to have to put some blocks on it. Because you have to protect your children. You have to be responsible to do that. Your job is not to be your child's best friend. Your job is to be a Christian leader and a parent first. To do what is right. Don't be bullied into a corner and say, all my other friends have it, all of them do it. It doesn't make any difference. A lot of their friends may not be going to the same place where you want your children to go called heaven. They're not following the right voices. Teach them and show them you care about them, period, by making the right decisions. Now, as we go forward, as we look and we see what God is wanting for our lives, Knowing and meditating on God's word makes way for applying it to our lives. That's how we learn how to do it. When you learn Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it teaches us about worry. When we learn about the gifts of the Spirit, it teaches us the importance in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 of using our gifts for the kingdom. When we know what God prescribes for fathers and for homes, we help, it helps formulate the best things in life. That will be eternally honored. It passes the temporal test of time and moves into the eternal test of time because it's God's principle and they will never fail. So, is the Bible your life reference book? What do you reference for the answers in life? What do you reference for taking your children, your family through life? Romans 12.2 tells us something that's so important. Do not conform any longer to the pattern. Idea in Greek is that mold of this world. What is the mold of this world? It's the same like it was in the days of Noah. It's like that today. I'll do what's right. I'll let my feelings guide me. I will go through the least line of resistance. I won't be committed, too committed to God. I'll do my own thing. I'll make myself happy. But the Word of God says, rather than conforming to the pattern of the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is different than reformation. Transformation is a totally new thing. It's a metamorphosis. It's the caterpillar to the butterfly. 
need to become a new, strong leader in Christ by the renewing of your mind. That renewing is present active indicative. It means to stay and meditate, ponder in the word, stay in the word, stay glued to the principles found in God's word and be immovable in those. Not arrogant in them, but immovable. Children need to see it. Our world needs to see it, period. Psalm 1-3, as we move forward, it says, when we do those things, when you stay away from the ungodly, those that are walking ungodly, standing ungodly, sitting in the seat of the mockers of this world, it says, when you follow him, when you meditate, when you delight in the law of the Lord, here's what you're like. You're like a tree planted by streams of water. In a society, in an agrarian society in that day and time, when water wasn't getting piped into houses, where you didn't walk into the kitchen or refrigerator and get a cold drink of water, when if you had a farm, you depended on rain to actually provide your sustenance so crops could get watered. We don't appreciate how significant this is. You will be like a tree planted by streams of water. You see, it's the security of blessedness is to be planted. There's a lot, a lot of men in this world that aren't planted in the word of God. They're not planted in the security of his word. They're not planted in the security of being a Christian husband and father. But God says, you need to be planted. What happens with that? Joy remains in the hearts of people who are planted in God's word. Planted in it. That means you're putting down roots in it. It means stability. And you see, when you're planted by streams of water, the word of God is telling us that you'll be connected to a source of life. You see... It never does say in the word of God that there's no pleasure in sin. It says the opposite. It says there's pleasure in sin for a season. Not just the sins of commission, the things that we do. But I have a feeling for many Christian men, many Christian fathers, and Christians in general, it's the sin of omission what's not in the family, what's not being said, it's not being done, it's not being light, not being salt, not being a witness, not being someone that delights in the law of the Lord. That's why this message is so important today, to deal with those sins of commission, of course, but also the sins of omission, the things we omit from our lives. Some we do by default, by overcrowding our schedules and crowding out the things of God. It just happens in our world. And we let our children dictate the home rather than the, the dad saying, talk this over with mom and here's the best plan for our family. Choose from these. Here's where we're going. This is what we're doing. They need your leadership. They need you to guide them in their lives. That's why we don't let someone 12 or 16 or 5 be the president of the United States or to even drive a car. You have to guide them. The ungodly way There is pleasure in sin for a season. And let me say this. For a while in the ungodly life, you can flourish. But listen carefully. You wither. The flourishing life of the ungodly eventually withers. 
it doesn't last. And it doesn't last here. And it doesn't last for eternity. It will go by. And more people are fooled looking for the more attractive thing, the other way of life, the easier way of life, of not rocking the boat. Dear Christian dad, you inherently, because you're a believer, are a leader. There's no room to sit back and watch the world go by. You must take a stand. Ungodly way will flourish for a while. And you may be out there thinking, whether you're a member here or some other place or just listening, well, I seem to be flourishing okay. I'm living the way I want, doing what I want to do, drinking what I want, going where I want, seeing who I want. And you'll flourish for a while. You'll feel like you're flourishing. But you mark it down. You will wither. All of it will pass. All of it will. I remember looking at photos not long ago of someone that was living the lifestyle that many people envied. His name is Hugh Hefner. I'll name his name. Promoting the wrong kind of life and lifestyle, period. Ungodly. And looking at him in his 80s. He didn't look like he was flourishing too much with his little sailor cap on. Did he? And when you take your last breath and you believe you've helped change the world for wrong, I I can imagine standing before God, how does that look now? How does people like Nero look from 2,000 years ago that stood for debauchery and all the kinds of sinful things that tear down the family and society with it? Ungodly way will flourish for a little bit, but it's going to wither. It will eventually wither. But constant, the constant refreshment from the streams of divine truth will sustain you, dads. Psalm 128.1, blessed are all who fear the Lord who walk in his ways. You see, it's not just in Psalm 1. It starts at the beginning and comes towards the end of Psalms. It's blessed are those who fear the Lord. You see, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the prototype of it. It's the foundation of it. But it's not something that's just a saying to, to recite. It's important that you model it. Psalm 13b, which yields its fruit in season. Psalm 128.2, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. I know some will read that and they'll errantly translate it in a health and wealth message. You see, if you just listen to God, you'll be healthy and wealthy. It's talking about, and, and you may accumulate physical, monetary wealth. Many times, that's a blessing in life. Use it for God. But that's not what that's referring to. There's a prosperity that's beyond paper and gold and all of those things. It's being rich towards God. Jesus talks about it. Being rich towards God. Lay up treasure in heaven. That's the bank where God says, lay it up there. It's not going to get corrupted there by moth or rust or thief. You will eat the fruit of your labor. You may not taste it now, but eventually you will. And many times on this earth, you will taste it because you can put your head down in your pillow and say, God, today, I practice what you've asked me to do. I didn't get it done 100%, but God, I thank you for your patience and your grace. I'm going to continue to seek and follow after you. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. I'm going to put parenthetically forever. The things done in the kingdom of God, when you use your gifts, your abilities, your talents for God, last forever. You'll eat of the fruit, and you'll yield that fruit. 
because God is the one looking at that. And one thing that's very significant when we come to Psalm 13c, whose leaf does not wither. Godly people are known by the beauty of their character because their character does not wither. What happens when you don't water a plant for a long time or perhaps even some for a short time? You'll notice the leaves begin to wither. It's showing you this thing is starving to death. It's actually dying. Even people, for the lack of water, die of dehydration. What God curses withers away. God curses sinfulness. He curses apathy. He curses the kinds of things that are prevalent in our world today. I've touched on many of them, but there are, of course, countless more. God curses that, and all those things that are ungodly are going to wither away. That's what will happen. But as you live the blessed life, as you follow God, as you walk in his counsel, as you meditate on his word, as you practice godly leadership, the world may not reward you. But God has seen it. He says, your leaf's not going to wither. You'll be connected to the source of life. And you will have and be fed by the streams of the Holy Spirit of God. You're not going to wither. You're going to be fine. And what else will happen? Look at verse 3D. Whatever he does prospers. Notice, whatever he does prospers. Because when you give your wife, your family, your community, your workplace, your universe, wherever you are, when you do what is right, you have already prospered. You have put things in the eternal bank of of God's commandments, of God's ways. It's put away eternally. It's in the bank because you have done right. And that is prosperous. You send treasure ahead. When you get mocked because you've been a witness or stand for life or you stand for biblical marriage, when you stand for the right things, when you teach the right things, when you nourish yourself in God's word, you're going to prosper. When you're living that way, you do prosper. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So what does he want for your family? It tells you right there. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy them. And he wants to get at you. You're the leader. If he can take you down, children, spouses, the community will see. There you go. Another failure. Someone that doesn't stick by what they believe. Another hypocrite. Someone that doesn't even teach the right things, do the right things. The devil is pulling for you to fail, to not be the type of person, type of husband, dad, that God wants you to be. He's pulling for that, remember. And he wants to destroy your children. Don't believe the lie that children are resilient. Children get hurt big time. And some of the psychologists will tell them they are, but I would tell you, from years of seeing families under the wreck and ruin of poor decisions and having talked to young people that said they'd never step back in church for what happened in their house, They are looking at you. You will prosper, even if your children decide at some place in life, and they may because they're individuals. They may go off in the wrong way, but you can look and you can say, I taught them right. They didn't learn that from me. They didn't hear that from me. I modeled what was right. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Why did Jesus come? I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
You see, the secret of the blessed life is really being obedient to God's word. It's knowing his laws, his principles, his precepts, and modeling those things at home. It's important. I pray that God has just spoken some, has affirmed those that are following there. I pray that if there's some things you've picked up today in the preaching and teaching of God's word, that it hadn't caused you, I'm just a messenger. That's all I am. I'm just a messenger. Talk it over with God. Repent of things if they need to repent of someone. Let God change your heart. Let this Father's Day be a launching pad to blessing. Say, I want to make some changes in my life. And if you have affirmed a lot of those things, if there's some things you want to up the ante on, say, we're going to do even more with this. Do it. God will bless you and you will prosper. I pray all listening today, once again, as I said at the very beginning of this message, this message is for everyone. These principles apply. But today, in particular, they apply to dads. I pray you've been blessed by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Thank you for joining us this, I guess it's Sunday morning for you or whenever you're listening. And I pray God's Word blesses you. Happy Father's Day.